Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. My name is Drake, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. Listen, I don't know where you are on your platform, but uh, if you're on Facebook Live, man, we're so glad you're there. If you're on the Church Online platform, we're so glad you're there. And we'd love for you to engage with, uh, with us on that chat and let us know that you're there. Listen, we're glad that you're here, and we want you to know that we are here for you. And so real fast, just while we're engaging right now, why don't you let us know, how is it that you like your coffee in the morning? Right now, just in that chat, let us know, how do you like your coffee in the morning? We'd love to know that because it matters, okay? It matters how you take your coffee. It's actually part of whether or not we're going to let you join City Church or not, so you got to pay attention, okay? So listen, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you're tuning in. Super excited for the conversations that we're having today. I want to do just some quick updates for you. If you're on the Church Online platform, you can hit the button uh, that's popping up that says invite, and you can actually send a text message right now to someone inviting them to watch with you. If you're on the Facebook Live platform, you can hit that share button. You can start a watch party inviting others in your social media platform to join with you, and it'd be at our honor if you would do that. Also, just want to remind you, if you're on the Church Online platform, you can use that notes tab and... Um, you can kind of follow along with the message as we go through it. But also let me just encourage you, no matter where you're tuning in, get you like a, a notebook, a piece of paper, and a pen, and show up expectant. I realize, you know, we sit on our couches or wherever we are. Maybe we're on a trail somewhere, hanging out on a park bench. But we kind of get comfortable and we engage. And if, if you're like me, you can kind of disengage after the fact and not do anything with it. But I want you to know, man, I think God wants to speak to us today. And so we need to get a pen and some paper out so that we can write it down and respond to what God is doing in our lives today, okay? So just some... Uh, encouragement as we get into it. Now, we're starting a new series that I'm pumped about today out of the book of Colossians. And this is one of the books in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul. And we're going to talk about him in a minute. But the subtitle, if you will, for this series over the next couple of months is A Big Jesus for Life's Big Problems. Everybody say big. Say big. A big Jesus for life's big problems. And I think one of the reasons that Paul spends so much time reminding us of how big Jesus is, is because he's trying to help us form some thoughts and, and kind of give us a framework and a groundwork, because I think Paul knows this reality. He knows it about you. He knows it about me. He knows it about the people around him as he writes it, that belief determines behavior. Belief determines behavior. And, and just think about it for a moment. He's going to spend some time making uh, us realize and reminding us of how big Jesus is because that has a heavy influence on our actions. Think about it. When you were a kid, or if you have small children right now, there's like this proclivity toward touching hot things, right? Like, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why we lean into that so much. But first of all, the word no just automatically assumes I'm going to try to do it. But then when it's hot, like there's just this extra desire to touch that red burning thing. And so whether it was the oven or a burner, there was the, the hey, this is hot, don't touch it. And some kids, right, they figured it out. Some kids, they, they learned up front. They didn't have to learn the hard way. And they listened to mom and dad and they saved themselves. But, but other kids, right, like me and maybe like you, we just had to kind of test it for ourselves. And no wasn't enough, right? We, need, we needed to know the why behind the what. 
And so what did we do? We, we decided to give it a, a test. We just wanted to see if it was really what our parents said it was. And what happened? It absolutely was what they said it was. And so then it burned us and we were like, oh, whoa, that's not okay. And there's this hot, you know, okay, no, I'm not going to touch anything that's hot anymore. What, what happens in that moment? Once experience teaches you that that thing that, that you weren't sure of was true, your belief changes and what happens? Your behavior follows your belief, doesn't it? Think about it. What happened? As soon as I knew, for a fact, experience told me that that thing was hot, I no longer had an issue touching it. Are you with me? Like, it wasn't, I didn't think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to try it again, round two, just to make sure, right? That didn't happen. Why? Because belief determines behavior. Are you with me? And so as Paul is going to help us understand how big Jesus is, he recognizes that, man, when we can get our hearts and our minds around who Jesus is, it can go from our head to our hearts to our hands. And having the why behind the what is critical to making a difference in our lives. And so this series is going to be both dealing with belief and behavior, but the priority, the order, if you will, it matters. Does that make sense? And so as we Frame up this book. I just want to help you understand. I, I told you a little bit about Paul, but he's writing to uh, the, this church in the city of Colossae. And many of the New Testament letters that we have are written to specific churches. I want you to kind of think of like someone writing a letter to city church here in Boulder. It's like the same concept. And so this is a new church with new followers of Jesus. And typically, there's a specific purpose with each letter. And so I want you to think about your car for a second. Like, have you ever had your alignment off? You know how like your alignment gets off and you can take your hands off the wheel and then your car goes like one way or the other and you have this like drifting issue, right? Well, every now and then a new church would start and, and after a little while there'd be like some drifting issues. And so Paul kind of has like a good dad and also I want you to think of him as like a, a good dad and a master mechanic, okay? And so he comes in and he's able to diagnose, di- diagnose and, and address what he sees on the outside as the issue to the drift. For example, uh, another letter that he wrote was to a church um, in the city of Corinth. And so that letter to the Corinthians, he writes, he says, hey, you guys are drifting. And, you know, they, they were following Jesus, but then it kind of got weird. And they started to party a little hard. And they started to get drunk at communion instead of remembering Jesus. And then, like, one day they threw a party for a dude that married his mom. And Paul was like, hey, you're drifting a little bit. And so then he writes a letter to help and encourage them to get back in alignment, if you will. In the same way, we're going to see that our book today in the, in, in the book of Colossians, this is going to have some similar ideas and similar uh, paths that, that we're going to follow. And so one of the things you need to know about drifting, and you probably know this, is if your car's out of alignment, like, it's not an issue of, like, my car's going to blow up, right? <laughs> like, and you know this, like, it's, it's little things that, that we need to take care of now. It's minor issues that need attention so that the long-term health and, and the overall quality of the ride stays consistent. Does that make sense? And so as he's writing, like, it's not like all the wheels have fallen off of, of this church, but rather he's writing as a good dad and a good mechanic. When I, when I was younger, um, my dad taught me to drive pretty early. Like around 12 or 13, he would let me drive, and we, we could go out in kind of the middle of the country. And we had this old white Jeep, awesome, awesome Jeep. We'd be out on the dirt road, and so he'd let me get behind the wheel. As soon as I was like big enough to sit behind the wheel and see over the dashboard, he would let me drive. But there was also, also a process, right? So he was functioning as a good dad, but my dad is also a mechanic. So he would say, hey, you know, here's the overall car, and, and you keep an eye on these gauges, and you know, look out for these things, and listen for these things. And he would just kind of give me the overview of the vehicle while also helping me learn how to drive. Like, hey, keep your eyes on the road, and look out there. And so there's this whole process of, of helping 
helping me kind of understand not only what it means to, to drive and where I'm going, but also how to maintain the vehicle that I'm in. He helped me with routine checks and, and just taking care, again, of the overall quality of the ride. And I, I want you to think about it just for a moment. I knew this the whole time I was growing up, um, that while my dad would teach me, you know, how to care for the car and how to drive and how to care for others in the process, um, the overall concern was always for me, right? Like, as, as he invested and as he taught me about, like, the, the, the care of the vehicle and everything, there was always the primary concern was for me, his son. And so, just follow me for a second. Paul is, is writing a letter to this church. So there's a collective group of people, meaning there, there's an overall uh, picture that he's painting and some, some things that he's addressing because they're all functioning together and going in a direction, but at the same time, as a good dad, there's a deep care and a deep concern for the individual. Does that make sense? And so I just want you to know this is going to be helpful for you as an individual, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. And it's also helpful for us. If you're part of this family, if you're part of City Church, this is an us conversation as well. And if you're not a part of this family yet or you're tuning in and you're checking things out, I want you to know you're invited into this us. You're invited into this family and there's room for you and space for you and purpose for you. And so as we get into this conversation, I think Michael Hyatt gives us a good uh, kind of starting ground, if you will, um, especially in light of our current situation uh, with this coronavirus thing. He said this earlier this week. Michael Hyatt said, the vision for the near term is sometimes blurry. So think about, I don't know what your vision looks like, like where you're going and what your life looks like, um, but odds are coronavirus is absolutely blurred some things, right? Your kids came home from school, you're working from home a lot more, like you're not allowed to go on the vacation, maybe you were planning, a lot of things have changed. Maybe you, you lost your job and there's just a lot of unsure things in the moment. When I was learning how to drive, one of the things that I had a really hard time with like at 12 or 13 is for some reason I just, I wanted to look right at the front of the vehicle. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but I would like look right at the nose of the car, like right past the hood at the ground. And the problem is when I'm looking that close to the vehicle, I couldn't see what was around me. So I could see the road right in front of me, but not much else. And so my dad would have to constantly help me, hey, like, lift your eyes up and look out there. Look out in front of you. And he was, he was helping me have vision. A good definition of vision is just the, the ability to see, right? And so I don't know where you are and if you have the ability to see where your life is headed and if you have hope past this moment. But Michael Hyatt gives us some encouragement. He says, hey, sometimes the near term, it can be a little blurry and maybe you feel like life is like that right now. But he says, but the vision for the long term, like when, when I start looking out there, the vision for the long term can still guide your current actions. The vision for the long term can still guide your current actions. And so I, I don't know where you're tuning in, but let me just give you some encouragement. If you're a follower of Jesus, what this means for you and me is that while the, the current circumstances might change and there might be some blurriness and uncertainty um, and different seasons introduce different challenges, but, but our overall mission, the long-term calling of what Jesus has invited us into, it hasn't changed. And so if you and I can lean into what, what we know Jesus is doing in and through us, then it can give us some clarity around what we need to do today. And so we're having this conversation around a big Jesus because he gives us a, a simple vision for the long term that lets us have some practical tools for today. Are you guys with me? Okay, so here we go. I'm going to give you four ways today, four ways to check your alignment and direction. Four ways, four things, if, if you want, um, out of the intro of this letter, if you want to catch the minor issues while they're, they're still minor in your life, if you want to catch minor issues before they become 
major issues. And if you want to improve the overall quality of your life and the direction of your life, then we're going to lean into four things that are a must that we have to consistently check if, if we're going to make sure that we're not drifting and we're heading in the right direction. Okay, you guys ready? So we're going to look at verse 1 here, just in the intro of this text. He's going to introduce himself. I already gave you a little bit of this, but he says, hey, this letter is from Paul. Imagine writing a letter. You know how you sign it at the end? Hey, this is Drake. You know, uh, this is how they would do it. It's opposite uh, on these letters. They would introduce themselves at the top end. So he says, hey, this is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So we're going to pause right there, and I'm going to give you the first point. The first thing that you've got to uh, lean into, the first thing that you and I need to check on a consistent basis is we need to know who to learn from. We need to know who we're learning from. You see, one of the most important things about you, and you might or might not agree with me on this, but one of the most important things about you is what you think about Jesus. And maybe secondary to that, but equally important, is who you're going to trust and who you're going to believe when it comes to learning about Jesus. And so there's this tension. As Paul is writing, he's telling us who he is and, and who the letter's coming from. But he gives us an intro. He says, hey, I'm an apostle. And that very simply means that he's like a messenger. He's, it, that word translated means he's the sent out one. I want you to think of, of, of Paul as like a pastor of pastors, a leader of leaders. He's, he's not ever actually met anybody in the church that he's writing to. And this church at Colossae, right, it's, it's a new church. They're not in the, mi- in the middle of any crisis, right? The, the wheels aren't falling off. They're great people, a lot like City Church. I want you to think about it like, like he's writing to our community. Um, and so Paul has never actually met them. So I want you to think about it. How, how willing are you to learn from someone you've never met? Just think about it for a moment. Like how willing are you to let someone have influence in your life that you have never met? And what you need to know about Paul is he's actually writing from prison to this church that he's never met. Now, he has uh, an individual named Epaphras we're going to meet later who he actually introduced to Jesus. And Epaphras goes back to his hometown, goes back to Colossae, introduces a bunch of other people to Jesus, and then eventually they start a church. That's how they are where they are today. And so Paul kind of looks at this church kind of as like his, his grandkid, right? He's like, uh, you know, second generation through the grapevine. And so he's writing as kind of like, like a good dad or a good grandpa would to check on and love on and check in with them. And what I need you to understand is as they receive this letter, they trust him, right? Like, like for, they, they trust Paul and what he's going to say to them. They're going to lean in and, and go past information and allow it to lead into transformation. So let me just give you this. If, you, if you're going to check like where your life is when it comes to drifting and direction, there's a big difference between information and influence. Think about it for just a moment. I'm just asking you to evaluate. We shouldn't be ignorant, okay? Like, you shouldn't limit the amount of information that you get. You need to learn. You need to grow. We shouldn't be naive in in the areas of our learning. We shouldn't resist things that are different from us. We should actually be humble and learn from different viewpoints and different belief systems and different angles. But there's a big difference between receiving information and someone having influence, and I want you to think about it right now. Like, who, who is it in your life, or what is it in your life that has access to, to your mind and your heart? Because one of the challenges is if it gets into my head and it gets into my heart, it eventually gets into my hands. And a lot of times we don't give a lot of thought to where my influences are coming from. And so, listen, I realize different seasons bring different challenges, and we need different influence in different areas of help. And so um, I just want you to evaluate just for a moment where the influence that you have is coming from, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, where you're learning 
to follow Jesus. And a couple of things, like you say, what, what do I need to look for? Like depending on the season that I'm in, what do I look for when it comes to learning from others? Let me give you three things that you need to look for if you want to learn from others and let them influence you. Number one, um, you need to ask the question, do they love Jesus? Like just when, when it comes to me learning from someone else, when it comes, comes to them learning from Paul, do they love Jesus? Do their actions and their words, do they line up? Is their life consistent? The second question, do they love me? This is really, really important. Do they love me? And listen, for the record, love is not always just like this feel-good emotional side of things, right? Love actually is going to push us to have hard conversations. So do they love me enough to be consistently transparent and relationally invested? Do they love me and are they going to pour into me? And the third thing that you can ask as you're evaluating the influences in your life is, do I see something in them that's not in me that I want in me? Or you use those three questions to kind of evaluate the influences that you have in your life. And then you can see what needs to move around, okay? So that's the first thing. If, you're, if we're going to help with drifting, we're going to pay attention to direction, and we need to pay attention to influence, okay? Second thing, he goes on in this intro, and he says, hey, my name's Paul. I'm an apostle. And he goes on to say, I'm an apostle by the will of God. By the will of God. That's a big, big statement. So the second thing that you and I need to press into if we're going to pay attention to drift and direction is that we've got to know God's will. Everybody say will. Like Will Smith, okay? Will, will. We've got to know God's will. And as Paul is writing, again, he's writing from prison, okay? So I don't know, like, kind of where your morale would be <laughs> if you're in prison for your faith. But he's in prison not because he robbed a bank, but because he believes in Jesus, okay? And so as he's writing, one of the things that ha has helped him to press into and hold on to his calling to, to be an apostle, to tell other people about Jesus, to help start new churches, is his understanding of God's will for his life. He met Jesus, and not only did Jesus change his life, but then Jesus gave him some clear direction for his life. You see, if you know God's will, for example, like Paul does, then it helps you like, really stick it and, and, and be perseverant and resilient when life gets hard. Right? You, like, they couldn't stop Paul until they killed him. Does this make sense? Like, even in prison, he's still doing everything he can to carry out what God has called him to do. And I just want you to think about it for a second. There's a huge difference between a job and a calling. Right? A, a job you can quit, but you can't quit a calling. Are you with me? Like, th th this is some heavy stuff that Paul is pressing into. And I just want to remind you or, or, or maybe elevate your thinking to this reality that you will do things for a calling that you would never do for a job. Because I just want you to think about it for a moment. Like, man, do you have a sense of calling in your life, a sense of purpose, a sense of passion that gets your head above the nine-to-five grind of just kind of floating through life? And this is one of those giant, like, kind of overwhelming questions. And I realize if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might look at this and you're like, I don't even, I don't really care about God's will. I don't even know if there is a God to have a will. So I'm not sure where I land in this. And I understand that completely. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is one of those things that, that we should be reflecting on and thinking of. Like, what, what is God's will for my life? And sometimes it can be overwhelming and, and daunting because we're like, well, where, where do I find it? Like, if God has a will for my life, then, like, can I, am I going to get a phone call, an email, a letter, like anything to help me out? I appreciate J.D. Greer. He, he helps us kind of understand this concept in this way. He said it this way. We don't have to find God's will because it's not lost. We don't have to find God's will because it's not lost. Some of us would love it if, if God would just, you know, audibly speak and give us a heads up as to exactly what he wants us to do. The good news is Jesus spent a ton of time clarifying God's will for us 
And the primary picture is loving God and loving people. It's not complicated, and it gives us a lot of clarity around what that looks like. Um, Charles Spurgeon also gave us another clarifying thought. He said it this way. He says, you don't have to wait for God's voice when you have a verse. There's a lot of clarity. What that means is that most of God's will, and you need to write this down, most of God's will is found in God's word. There's a lot of clarity as to what our lives are to look like. And Jesus boiled it down to two main points. Hey, if you just love God and love people, then you're going to exercise God's will in the world around you. And so just a reminder, if you're a part of this family, our mission here at City Church, it's to help people find their way to God from where they are. And that's not unique with us. Like that's, that's something that every individual Jesus follower is invited into by Jesus because it's his mission, and we're just invited into the family and invited into the family business, if you will. And so I don't know where you're tuning in, but I just want to elevate the reality that Jesus has invited you into some really clear action steps on a daily basis of the way to live and love. I appreciate how Perry Noble said it. He said, for every individual, our responsibility is to look like this, that found people Find people. See, a good description of a Jesus follower is that found people find people. That my relationship with Jesus is not enough to keep to me, but rather I must share it. Now, Jesus used the word making disciples to describe all of this. Like, whatever you want to call it, a disciple is very simply a follower of Jesus. And he used this conversation often. He, he said, hey, I want you to go and tell other people about me and teach them how to follow me. And I just want to give you some encouragement because I think we get kind of... We get intimidated by this conversation, like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm qualified, or like, I don't, I don't know enough, or I'm busy, and I have all these things going on. Listen, making disciples, helping other people follow Jesus is more about being intentional than it is about having technique. That, that if you have anything in your life that relatively looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, like, if you have anything in your life worth imitating then you can be a disciple maker. You can help other people find and follow Jesus. I read a stat earlier this week that said about 75% of helping other people find and follow Jesus is informal. What that means is if I know how to love people, and I know how to walk with Jesus, and I love Jesus, then, then I can help other people walk with Jesus and know Jesus. It's really that simple. Now, it doesn't mean it's not intimidating for the record but I'm trying to clarify what Jesus has invited us into. And so when it comes to alignment, when it comes to the direction of, of this vehicle, if you will, of City Church and this family, the success of the mission that Jesus has invited us into, if we're going to help people find their way to God from where they are, the answer is not better programs. The answer is not better messages. The answer is not better music. The answer is not all oh, when we finally get to meet back together in our building again. The answer is better men and women. It's better me and you. It's you and me growing and multiplying ourselves and our faith into the world around us. And so one of the pushbacks that I, that I think we rightfully have is we look at this and we might be motivated by it, but we say, oh, man, I'm just busy. Like, I don't, I don't have the time, and, and I don't know where to fit this in. Well, listen, so is everybody else, right? Everybody's busy, so what's the key? If you look at the life of Jesus, he's a pretty busy guy. You know what he did? He simply invited people into what he was already doing. The key is to be busy with people. And so you can be intentional with what you're already doing and invite people into your circle. And so in order to illustrate this, I had uh, some of our team join a Zoom call and kind of help us put this together. So watch this quick video to see if it helps you. For tuning in real quick, you guys are all gonna be firefighters uh, working together as a team. 
so at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to uh, perform each of your roles together at the same time. Okay, you guys ready? Yep. All right, one, two, three, let's go. Truck 24, come in. This is H2. You should take the left. Nope, you missed it. Please go back. The fire was going to Sorry, that's my fault. Keep going. Nope. Uh, hang a Yui at 24th, I guess. Okay. okay, that's good. You guys did a good ah! job. Oh my goodness. Uh, Charlie, did you rescue that kid yet? That is so good, man. Oh my goodness, you guys are hilarious. Hey, real fast, um, tell me what your job was. Charlie, what was your job? Uh, I am on the ladder. Climbing up to save the kittens. <laughs> Crushing it. Sarah, what's your job? I'm uh, holding that hose. Yes. <laughs> that was job, man. Uh, I was uh, navigation, given the lefts and the rights. That's great. Emily, what was your job? Driving and operating the siren. Awesome, man. Give yourselves a hand, guys. Way to go. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, let's give them a hand. Way to go, guys. You guys crushed it. So awesome. Just so you know, they walked into that totally blind. They had no idea what they were doing. And to be fair, I totally set them up, okay? And so they don't know all of the details of this, but at the end of that, I asked them all to, like, tell me their job, right? If you, if you caught that. I said, hey, you know, what was your job in all of this? And, you know, to, to a degree, they, they were all off just a little bit, right? Like, they told me their individual roles, but they missed their overall job. What was their job? Their job was to fight fires, right? They were firefighters. They had individual roles on a team, but their overall job, they all shared one mission, and it was to fight fires. Are you with me? Sometimes I think, I think we get so focused on what's right in front of us that we miss the big picture. And so what I just want, I want to help you understand, like, every role is significant. Every gift, like, however God has made you to be, your personality type, your gifts, your makeup, where you live, work, and play, all of that matters, but it's serving a larger picture, a larger mission that, that you know what, the roles and the gifts, they might vary, but the mission is the same. Does that make sense to you? The, the mission is the same. And so if you need clarity around keeping your life from drifting, if you need clarity around the direction of your life, listen, if you're a Jesus follower, there is an outside bigger picture that can influence my everyday actions. And so maybe my story would, would help you a little bit. Danielle and I, we moved to Boulder about three years ago. And we, we were already sold out to the mission of God in the world around us, right? We wanted everybody we knew to, to know the love of God, to have a relationship with God. Like we were all about that. And then one day, God specifically invited us into a more specific role of that. And so he said, hey, I want you to go to Boulder, and I want you to plant a life-giving church in Boulder. And we're like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And as people started to ask us questions, it was kind of funny. People were like, hey, so, so do you know anybody in Boulder? No. <laughs> do you have any money? No. Do you have any people? <laughs> we're working on that. And... Uh, and, and so then people would ask, like, so what are you going to do? And, and what have you done now that you're standing here having this conversation? You know what? To be honest, we kind of stepped back and, like, just watched God do his thing. Like, we were just actively involved in whatever God was doing in front of us. And I just want you to see that God took his general will, will and his general mission, and he gave us specific direction. He'll, he'll do the same for you. And that leads us to the next part of this conversation. Paul goes on in verse 2 of this intro, and he says, hey, this is Paul, and I'm, I, I'm writing out of the authority of the will of God, and I'm writing to, and he tells us the audience, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at 
Colossae. So the third thing that you, you and I have to press into when it comes to making sure we're not drifting is that we have to know who we are. You need to know who you are. If we're going to check the alignment and direction of our lives, a huge part of that centers around identity. And I want you to think about it. Paul has never met any of the people he's writing to except for the leader of this church. And so he calls them saints. I don't know. Have you ever been called a saint? I've never been called a saint, right? Unless someone was doing it tongue-in-cheek and they were poking fun at me, right? Like, I don't really normally receive that title. And so he's speaking to them. Like, like how does he know? How does he know that they're saints? How would he know even remotely who they are? I don't know, you know, what your life looks like in this period, but I think sometimes our activity tends to define our identity, and the problem is when our activity is not what we think it should be or not what other people think it should be, then identity gets defined in some negative ways. And Paul, I want you to understand, because of their relationship with Jesus, he knows who he's writing to. He knows their identity regardless of their activity. How, how does he know that? Why? Because we talked about it. Belief determines behavior. That, that in this process, even though you know, at times brokenness and mistakes and sin, you can call it whatever you want, but sin might be our activity because of Jesus, saint or, or child of God, it can still be our identity. And so who we are, listen, this is huge. If belief determines behavior, then who we are allows us to change what we do. That my identity has the ability to influence my activity. It's why Jesus doesn't invite us into behavior modification, but into a relationship. Does this make sense? And so this is really cool that Paul would write out of this idea. I want you to think about the creation story. I don't know if, how familiar you are with like the Bible and, and, and uh, some of the Old Testament stuff, but in, in the book of Genesis, we kind of have the creation story. God creates everything, and then he creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the garden, and he gives Adam the role, the job description, if you will, of gardener. But you know what he doesn't call him? A park ranger. I want you to think about it for a minute. A park ranger, what do they do? They, they preserve what's around them. But what does a gardener do? A gardener develops and cultivates. And I believe God has built into all of us this natural design to develop and cultivate and uniquely inspire what's around us. So I want you to think about who you are as an individual. God made you to uniquely create and cultivate. So I don't know what that looks like, but part of knowing who you are is allowing God to speak into that and then live that out. So ask yourself this question. As we wrestle through drifting and identity and direction, where, where can I, this is the question I want you to ask, where can I uniquely bring great joy to my family, to my neighborhood, and to my city as a demonstration of the love of God? I hit up one of our team members, her name is Maddie, the other day, and I said, hey, remind me of what you're doing with your, you know, your degrees and, and your master's and stuff. And she said, hey, I'm going into counseling, and I'm hoping to use that to help people. And the more I talked to her and the more I realized who she is, I'm like, oh, man, that makes so much sense that you're going to use who God has uniquely made you to be to counsel and develop and bring the best out of others to help other people understand who God has made them to be. It's amazing as I watch her press into who God may, has made her to be. I sent another text to my buddy Colton, and I said, hey, man, remind me, what, like, what, what are you doing with your school right now? And he's doing his business administration stuff and, and working on his master's, and he said, I'm hoping to work in community-driven development to help low-income areas meet their clean water and clean power needs. And I stepped back from that, and I'm like, man, that is so cool 
that, that you can use your gifts, your talents, who you, who you uniquely are, and you recognize a need in the world, and you're going to create and cultivate something new out of that. I'm like, man, that's so great. So I don't know what your story is, but part of keeping your life from drifting, part, part of making sure you're not on autopilot, and part of making sure you're heading in the right direction is knowing who God has made you to be. And the last thing, as Paul wraps up the intro here, is um, in verse 2, he says, hey, I'm, I'm writing to the saints and as he concludes his little, little intro, he says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. And the last thing that you and I have to know if we're going to keep our life in alignment is we've got to know God as Father. And you might ask the question, why? Why, why do I have to know God as Father? Because we opened this conversation by talking about the right motivation, right? You remember that? That belief determines behavior, that knowing my why has way more influence over my actions and direction. And so you might ask the question right now, like, why should I care about any of this? Why do I care about the direction and alignment of my life? You see, it, it's not, it's not fear-based and guilt-based and shame-based. Like, those things never motivate for a long term. All of this conversation, it's in response to the incredible love of God for us as a good dad who loves us. And you need to get this. Listen, hear me. Before God invites us to do anything for him, he did the one thing for us we could not do for ourselves. This is the incredible love of God, that Jesus would die for us, not because of anything that we did or could do to earn or merit the love of God, but because God loved us first. Jesus came to bridge the gap and to restore the relationship out of love. And love is demonstrated through sacrifice. And so, I don't, I don't know where your motivations lie, but as Daniel comes up, I just want you to reflect for a minute. Don't, don't miss this. That knowing God as a good dad who loves us, it's the motivation and the key behind everything. And guys, I don't want you to miss this in the light of the cultural kind of turmoil that we're in right now. This speaks to the reality that every individual on the planet is worthy of respect and value, that Jesus died for every single one of us before we ever had the chance to earn it with our actions, that every individual is made in the image of God, therefore they are valuable and they're worthy of dignity, right? Think about it. Paul doesn't know who, the, the individuals that he's writing to, but he, he doesn't have to know them to know that they are valuable. And guys, this is speaking directly into the racial tension that we're currently seeing in our nation. And guys, my heart has been heavy all week because regardless of activity, regardless of who he was or what we knew about him, George Floyd deserved to be treated with dignity and respect and value. And he deserves justice because he's made in the image of of God. And when Jesus invites us to follow him, when he invites us to receive and respond to the love of God, he also invites us to see others as he sees them. Guys, this means that black lives matter. And we stand with our brothers and sisters against prejudice and against racial injustice in this season, but don't miss it. This also means our friends in blue 
they matter. That one person's actions don't get to speak for many of the brave men and women who serve to protect our cities and our communities with love and sacrifice and integrity. Jesus died for us all. And all of us are worthy of dignity and value and respect and love. And this, friends, is where healing begins. Because if God is Father, don't miss it, we're all his kids. And God doesn't play favorites. And neither should his kids. So I don't know where you're tuning in today. I don't know what things God is speaking to you about, but maybe you need to rethink who you've been learning from. Maybe you need to reevaluate your influences. Or maybe you need to just position yourself to learn it all. Maybe you've been kind of in a place of, of being stagnant and not open and humble to learning and growing. Maybe you need to focus more on what you do know about God's will and let that inform the unknown in front of you. Maybe you've been missing the big picture and focused just on what's in front of you and God has so much more for you on the everyday if you lean into what you know God's will is for you to love him and love the world around you. Maybe as we were speaking, God put a burden on your heart. He put an opportunity in front of you. He raised an awareness of something that's been sitting on your heart for a long time. And he said, listen, I've uniquely made you for this so you can bring great joy to others, so you can bring great joy to the world around you. And man, don't miss it. Don't keep it to yourself. Go to your city group. Share it in your city group. Get some people around you to breathe some, breathe some air and, and some inspiration into that flame in your heart. And let God work in and through you. You know, may, maybe as we're having this conversation, you need a motivation shift. Maybe you need to step away from guilt and shame and, and religious activity and embrace the God that Jesus introduced to us as Father, the one who loves you regardless of your activity, the one who loves you regardless of your behavior, the one who invites you to believe before you behave. Maybe as we've had this conversation, you don't know God as Father. And you want to take that step today, and I want to invite you right now. You can text the word follow to the number on the screen. We would love to help you take next steps, either to give your life to Jesus today or answer your questions when it comes to following Jesus. Or maybe we can help facilitate who God has made you to be and what your role looks like in this family and what it looks like to make a difference in the city. Or maybe we can connect you in community. You can text the word new to that same number on the screen. And we would love to help you take some next steps in any way. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for your love that bridges all gaps. Thank you for your love that tells us that we're all equal. Thank you for your love that, that inspires us to love others regardless of our differences. Thank you for your love that, that we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, we don't maintain it, we simply receive it. I mean, I pray that that would give direction to our lives, that it would keep us from drifting. It would help us to have alignment and direction as we live every day on this planet, that we could know you, that we could love you, and we could make a difference in the world around us by bringing your love to every single person that we come into contact with. And God, would you use us to be catalyst of change? It's in Jesus' name. Thank you guys for joining.